Sub podcast. I'm Thomas here with Chris. How's it going, Chris? Good, man. Haven't uh, had to be glued to my TV and Twitter page for the past week and a half, so that's been nice. I, I, I still have been because it's the playoffs, but it's not the same beast when the Warriors are in it. Like, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, so I guess that's you know, good point. This is our first pod <clears throat> since the Warriors were eliminated. Well, I guess since there have been no games to talk about on the Warriors front. Uh, after the Lakers Warriors series, we're potting on Thursday afternoon before the Heat and Celtics play Game Five. Meanwhile, on the West Coast, the Denver Nuggets swept the Lakers, so we'll t- talk about that. We'll talk about both conference final series. Uh, do a little finals preview, depending on <clears throat> who wins this Eastern Conference battle. Although the Heat are up three-one, so they have the best chance. But we'll get into that. Then we'll talk about an article that I just wrote and uploaded to the Dubs Hub Substack. We'll talk about kind of the motivations behind writing it and uh, recap some of what the themes were. And then we'll jump into an article that's upcoming that Cree will get into on grading each of the Warriors players, their seasons, and uh, kind of giving the Dubs Hub perspective there. And we'll wrap up with a couple of final items just to tick off the list uh so we'll dig in how do you think uh, the conference finals have gone chris anything surprising anything not surprising what did you like what did you not like uh, we got denver in the finals for the first time ever so congrats to them definitely the, the both series have been surprises i feel like if you looked at both of these or all four of these teams before the game started you would probably say the Celtics obviously were the favorites and had a chance to be back in the finals this year. <clears throat> and depending on your view of the Denver Nuggets, you'd probably say it would at least be a competitive series. I know Denver's been a better team all year. They probably have the best player in the series, but I thought personally that the Lakers were going to give them matchup problems as well as, um, you know, at least a fight. I mean, the Lakers just beat the defending champions in six games kind of pretty easily in the previous series, whereas Denver hasn't really proven themselves in the playoffs yet. And on the flip side, the Heat team, I mean, we'll get into it, kind of insane year for them. But the Celtics for through the first three games just showed no fight at all, and they were in the finals last year with a chance to win the championship, whereas the Heat almost didn't make the playoffs this year. So it's been not extremely entertaining, but definitely unexpected these first two series yeah i mean super interesting series and it's been fun to observe them without like thinking about the repercussions for the warriors in a future potential matchup right so we're just like kind of analyzing the series objectively in some ways although it's hard to be objective when the lakers play i always root against them but oh for uh, sure (laughs) yeah i mean you were you were definitely more on the lakers size giving denver problems i felt pretty confident that the Nuggets were going to come away with that series just because all year they've been a well-oiled machine. Nikola Jokic is, he's the best player in the league. It's hard to argue at this point. He's led his team to the finals. It's its like him, Giannis, Steph, and that's about it. Those That's like the cream of the crop. I feel like 
Joel Embiid and the Sixers exit in the second round has dropped him down a tier, at least in my mind. But yeah, I mean, I didn't predict a sweep, that's for sure. But they're hitting their stride. Jamal Murray looks so good. The Lakers ran out of steam. They didn't get as good of performances from their role players or Anthony Davis as they would have liked in this series, I feel like. Uh, so that, you know, when you're when you're a team like the Lakers who is thrown together at the trade deadline, don't have a ton of chemistry over years of experience like the Nuggets have, if you get, you know, if, if a couple of things go poorly, then, you know, you're, you're going to find yourselves in, in a pretty bad situation. It definitely kind of proved how, I don't want to say fraudulent, but just how unfortunate the Warriors series played out. I mean, that Lonnie Walker game is still going to haunt me for a long time just because he didn't show up in the Denver series at all. D'Lo had an awful series, but there was games versus the Warriors where he, you know, had over 20 points. Same with AD. AD had a few, I think, two good games during the series in Denver, but didn't show up at all in two of those games, especially the elimination game. The only one, the only two players on the Lakers that really showed up all series were Austin Reeves and LeBron James. So it's a little disappointing to watch from the eyes of a Warriors fan just because, you know, the Lakers beat us and watching them go out, get swept by the Nuggets is disappointing. But I can't say that it would have been too different if the Warriors were going to be able to get past the Lakers. Yeah, I think we actually could have put up a better fight, but I still probably would have picked the Nuggets against the Warriors if we had beaten the Lakers. I don't think we would have got swept, though. No, no, exactly. It would have been more of a battle, and we also have the better player between LeBron and Steph at this point. LeBron had a great series, though. He was fantastic. And, yeah, you're right. Reeves had a good series. Uh, One other person that I thought was impressive was Rui Hachimura. He, He was guarding Jokic at times, and... That was an interesting development. AD couldn't stop Jokic one-on-one in the post. I guess nobody can stop Jokic one-on-one in the post, but they had to move off of him so that AD's playing free safety on the defensive end, tagging as a help man rather than matching up one-on-one on Jokic. And I think that was a good adjustment, but it still was. They just didn't have enough personnel to slow down the combination of Jokic and and Murray, See, who that's had a fantastic I, series. Oh, he did. And that's where I think it's so unique with Draymond, how he is able to defend Jokic. It seems, just watching Denver play, that Jokic has no problem against going going against big, burly um, centers. I think where he gets a, <clears throat> into a little trouble is smaller, I guess, craftier defenders. You saw that with Rory, Rory a little bit. <clears throat> he was able to you know, use his quickness to beat him to his spots and kind of, you know, just mess up his game a little bit. Whereas if you have a slow, big, yeah, big man, uh, Jokic is able to use his skills to kind of finesse his way out of there. And that's why I think Draymond defends him well and, and makes him so special because he's like 6'5". Yeah, sometimes those smaller, tenacious defenders can just get up in get up underneath them and throw them off balance, annoy them. You can't like stop them from shooting over the top of you, but you just pest them. You're a pest and get up in their, in their, in their operating space and and it works. So I thought, you know, Lakers had a shot. They, they did put up a fight in game four. It came down to the last possession where LeBron was unable to get a shot off. And there's just some good defense played by the nuggets. 
the Lakers had chances throughout the series. They oh, yeah. almost they almost stole both of the games in Denver, right? But they ended up losing, and that was kind of the series once they couldn't get away with one of them, I think. I mean, they almost won that game four as well. <clears throat> right. And it just came down to, you know, shot making. And I think LeBron missed a kind of an awful shot on the wing, like a jumping fadeaway wing shot. And then he yeah, got a couple stripped on a layup. Before. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like you said, it's fun watching the playoffs as a, a neutral fan and especially watching, hoping the Lakers will lose. So that, that was a very rewarding series to watch it's also Um, it's also fun watching Jokic and not having to root against him because that would not have been fun for for us in the western conference finals being matched up against the best player in the world who just won the mvp two times in a row before this season he's clearly like a, a different level of player from some of these other guys and he's proving it in the playoffs now i think yeah. it just has to be said like because a lot of fans and People, NBA media on TV who are trying to generate outrage are out here calling out Jokic for being soft, for not being a proven player in the playoffs, but they're wrong. He is so good. I remember the first MVP he won. People like Nick Wright, I think, and others were calling him the worst MVP ever. Do you remember that? It was it was like <laughs> ridiculous commentary. They're like, yeah, like... The fact that Jokic won just proves the league's in a bad place right now. He's like one of the worst MVPs to ever win the award. And it's just absolutely absolutely ridiculous because, well, you know, he hadn't proved it in the playoffs besides in that bubble season when they went to the Western Conference Finals. But now they're finally putting it together. They have a great team. I think, you know, this is a good transition into the Eastern Conference Finals matchup. I think whoever comes out of there, I would still pick the Nuggets over, whether it's Miami or Boston. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it, it sure seems that way. I'm obviously the Heat were up three zero, um, but then the Celtics just won a very crucial for them season-ending uh, game to make it three one, and now they're going back to Boston tonight, where they'll be favored because they're the home team. So I could see them. That series being at 3-2 after today. And then, you know, all they have to do is win one to bring it to seven games. And we saw what happened when the Heat and Celtics went to seven games last year. The Celtics pulled out a close win. So I wouldn't, I'm not ready to say that the Heat are going to be in the NBA Finals. I think it's likely, obviously, just because no team has ever came down from 3-0. But also, it's a one seed versus an eight seed. So I, I wouldn't be completely shocked. But I, I, I think they're the two seed this year. The South, oh yeah, I guess the Bucks were the one seed. Yeah, but, but still, I mean, it was close up at the top. It was like I think it was just a one game difference between the two of them, and they were elite all regular season, and they kind of had a rocky playoff run. The Celtics, so yeah, I mean, obviously the Heat should be favored to win the series, and you're right, they're back in Boston tonight. But the Celtics have been pretty bad at home in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I think they're, the I think they're twelve and eleven in the past two years. Which is yeah, ten pretty or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, nearly five hundred in the playoffs at home. That is irregular to say the least. So yeah, and, and I mean, one big development that could have an impact on not just tonight but the series in general is that Gabe Vincent, player for the Miami Heat, is out with a sprained ankle. He dropped, I think, twenty nine points the other night to lead the Heat to victory, and he was like. He's been fantastic, a kind of a breakout player in this series. 
they, he plays a ton of minutes. He's a, he's a good guard. So they're going to miss him. I mean, he's averaging 17 and a half points in, in the Eastern Conference finals so far. Um, that's, that's massive. Cause the, like the heat aren't all that deep. No, you know, especially before all their, or even before all their injuries. I mean, Tyler Hero's out, Victor Oladipo's out. They have a lot of players who are injured too, but yeah, it's been a really fun series to watch. Jimmy Butler has become kind of maybe my favorite player outside of the Warriors players this season to watch just the dog team full of dogs and team full of, you know, veterans as well kind of makes you uh just imagine what the warriors team would be like if they the backside of their bench was filled out with veterans rather than rookies because oh yeah you know, i mean just look at all the four teams in both the conference finals oh, how yeah. many of them have teenagers playing none right i mean i guess <laughs> Not, there's that only the nuggets the yeah, brown but, on the nuggets yeah, yeah exactly and i don't even think he's playing really anymore um he didn't get a ton of minutes i mean he he gets playing time but like so he only played in three of the games actually and they've kind of scaled his minutes back as the as the playoffs have gone on because they're trimming down who's on the floor that's what happens when you get deep into the playoffs uh and and it's an it's clearly a team culture that is encouraging like next man up mentality and being okay with your role, whether it ebbs and flows. And that's just clearly something that was missing on the Warriors this season. Yeah. I'm just looking at the heat um, playoff rotation they have right now. And the youngest guy that they're putting out there is bam. And he's 25. And then it's, you know, 33, Jimmy, um, you know, Kevin loves 34, Kyle Lowry's 36, Caleb Martin's 27, Duncan's 28. It's just, you know, 26, 26, 30 it's just all you know players that are in their you know kind of primes and and veteran status which you're seeing in the playoffs really pays off you're not seeing a a lot of young guys contributing which you know we can rarely has that ever been the case you know and that's why it was so frustrating that the Warriors have leaned into this strategy the past few seasons and like I guess that's transitioning to the article I wrote which breaks down so i called it i called it the like 22 23 season post-mortem just breaking down how roster construction played a big role in the warriors having an unfortunate mediocre disappointing season that didn't meet expectations in their title defense um so i mean i guess i'll start with you like what do you think of what i wrote and it was you knew most of this or all of it that had happened last season but i tried to kind of put it all on paper as a uh, as a way for people to remember exactly what happened and how how much of an impact it had on the year yeah for sure no I, I really enjoyed reading that and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the the first article I wrote for our substack which was um, just titled the golden disappointment you know and what was happening with our season and why it was really mediocre I had you know kind of a breakdown of what went really well for us last year and then kind of what how the front office went away from that and I think you dive into way better detail in this article that you just put out um yeah man we we saw it coming too and kind of any casual NBA fan knows that to be a successful team you need to have veterans on your team and that's what worked so well last year we had guys who have been in the league a long time they knew their role 
They were great team players. They stepped up when their number was called. They weren't complaining all year. And there's just a huge trickle-down effect to what we decided to do with our roster last offseason. And I don't know if you want to dive more into that, but yeah. Yeah, I can go through it a little bit. So last year, after the championship was celebrated, we had a bunch of decisions, not we, but for the front office. You know what? I'm going to just say we, because as someone who pays so much damn attention to this team, <laughs> we're, we're part, both of us, we're part, yeah. we're part of this. All right. Exactly. People who don't like watch sports are always like, why do you say we? It's like, well, <laughs> because I spend way too much time thinking about this and yeah, exactly. <laughs> watching <laughs> too many hours, but regardless. Okay. The front office, Bob Myers, Joe Lacob and, and the Warriors, uh, executives had a bunch of decisions to make. They had seven free agents, and those were Kevon Looney, Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter, Gary Payton, Damian Lee, Belly, and JTA. Each of those guys contributed throughout the regular season. Three of them played big roles in the finals. That's Looney, Porter, and Payton. Uh, and it, it was also just like having good veterans on the roster helped build a winning culture and one that holds the team accountable and individuals accountable to their roles and allows for the ebbs and flows and ups and downs of a regular season and playoffs to be mitigated better than what happens when you have a team full of inexperienced young guys who just are, you know, young guys tend to in the league be in like self-interested because they haven't you know gotten that paycheck yet they're fighting to stay in the league they know that if they have a bad year next year they could be out of the league in the g league on a two-way contract whatever meanwhile when you have veterans who are on minimum contracts potentially they have been around the block they know that part of their uh role on this team is not just to provide minutes and quality minutes but to help develop the locker room that was a huge mistake strategically after the the Warriors won the championship that Bob Myers and Joe Lake have made when they were putting together the roster for this season so they did the right thing with Kevon Looney they re-signed him and actually did a great job re-signing him to a pretty team-friendly contract they also left a spot open for Andre Iguodala, who is considering retirement and eventually did come back, obviously. And, you know, it was clear he was not going to provide a ton of minutes for the Warriors, but he was there to help build that culture. So they tried to do the right thing there. But they allowed Otto and Gary Payton to walk for because they essentially didn't want to pay them the contracts that they were given by two competing teams. They allowed minimum players like Damian Lee, JTA, and Nemanja Bialica to walk as well. Uh, I don't think Bialica even got an offer from the NBA. He went to the EuroLeague, I believe. Uh, JTA went to the Lakers on a minimum, and Damian Lee went to the Phoenix Suns on a minimum. Damian Lee ended up playing a ton of minutes for the Phoenix Suns this year and was productive, and we could have used him throughout the regular season. Watching him knock down shots and play defense – for the Suns was so frustrating because he's he was he's Steph Curry's stepbrother, right? He's married to Steph Curry's sister. And yeah. or not not stepbrother, brother-in-law, sorry. And <laughs> so he like he's clearly part of the Warriors organization 
uh, outside of basketball and should have been someone that we re-signed rather than moving the way we did, which was using both of our draft picks last season and signing them to guaranteed contracts. Those guys are Ryan Rollins and Patrick Baldwin Jr. Patrick Baldwin Jr. is a prospect who should be pretty good, but is 19 years old and just clearly wasn't going to contribute and like this season to, to winning basketball, and he doesn't have the experience to contribute to a winning locker room. Both of those things are important. So, uh, you know, I break it down a little bit further in the article, which I recommend you all check out. Um, but eventually they abandoned this strategy when they traded James Wiseman and got back Gary Payton on the same contract that they refused to pay him from yeah. the Portland Trailblazers. So that was a double admission. That was an admission that James Wiseman was a failure as the number two pick and was and, and that the two-timeline strategy was not working and that clearly they needed help on the defensive end from a veteran guy who knows the system and Gary Payton the second. Um, and I don't know, one of, one of the things that jumped out to me with that trade was that GP2 does a lot of stuff they expected or wanted Kuminga to do and they had to go back and get GP2 again because Kuminga wasn't trusted by the coaching staff and living up to that billing. So another, it's not only just a failure on Wiseman's part for not being a productive player, but also Kuminga for not earning the trust of the coaching staff. So overall, there were, there were just a lot of themes like this throughout the season, and I think that was the big issue. I mean, there are other problems this year, right, with Draymond's punch on pool, of pool uh, contributing to a difficult locker room. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the personnel to overcome that, then you're not going to. So, Yeah, 100%. And definitely encourage everyone to go check that out. Um, and I, th- I think you made a good point that trading Gary or trading Wiseman for Gary was kind of an admission to the faults of the of the off season, and I'm hoping, you know, the off season is just around the corner. I'm hoping that they kind of learned their lesson this summer, and you know, we'll see. It could be they could learn their lesson with possibly you know trading some place pieces. You know, maybe trading our draft pick to get a veteran. You know, signing veterans instead of kind of projects. So, I'm hopeful to to see what what happens this off season. Um, that kind of takes us to the article that I have coming out on the Substack next week, which is just a kind of a grade report for all the players on the team this season. And I thought it'd be fun if I kind of gave you maybe five players to try to guess. A little, what, a little preview. Yeah. A little preview and to kind of see if you can match my thought process on uh, what you would grade these players for. Um, just a little quick disclaimer. It's not, the grade is not fully um, about their individual season. It also kind of, so I, I put in four bullet points here. So it's a grade on their individual statistical season and like their on-court production, their production rela- in relation to their salary, their production in relation to their like roster spot and their position, and their production relating to how their season will impact the Warriors franchise going forward. So that last point's kind of like, yeah, all right. Let me did this, hold on. 
Are we doing pluses and minuses too? So you're going like B plus, D plus, yeah. C minus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Exactly. All right. So I'll give you I'll I'll give you a wide array, but I think I'm gonna only do five. So I'll I'll start with um, Andrew Wiggins. What do you think that I? What grade do you Ouch. think I give him? That's a tough one. Okay. Wiggins, man. For this um, season. Had some good moments early on. Had some bad moments early on when he was actually playing. Got injured, made a comeback. He was kind of slow to come back after his injury, but picked it up and then immediately kind of disappeared for personal reasons. He waited until the very last minute in the regular season to announce his comeback and get ramped up for the playoffs. His first game was uh, against the Kings in game one of round one and played pretty well in the playoffs. So, okay, wait, the, obviously the postseason counts for this ranking, right? Yeah, it counts, but it's kind of an emphasis on, like, the regular season. But the, I took into account the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. I would say the emphasis is more on the regular season. Okay. Uh, I'm going C+. Plus. Oof, really close. I put it as a C-. minus. Um, okay. Just because, I mean, I'll give you the description, but a lot of it had to do with his games played. He played 37 games this season. Yeah. That's that's bad. Not enough. It's not enough. No. For and, one of our most durable players. I mean, yeah. he's like in the, in the middle of his prime. I think he's 27 or 28. He's so durable. He always plays like 82 games, essentially. Exactly. And yeah, it's so disappointing because we needed him like desperately. And there was so no one really... There was no one really on the roster that could kind of replace yeah. what he did. I mean, we saw in the season Dante was starting at small forward, Clay Ugh, yeah. coming in. It was just kind of a mess. So, yeah, I gave that a C minus just because it kind of That's had a fair. trickle down effect along I, I, the roster. I included the, I'll say for, for my guess, I included the plus because I thought he was really good in the playoffs and he made a comeback and yeah. he. And he was immediately impactful, which was so impressive. Like in game two, he played 40 minutes. And it's just like, oh, yeah. It speaks to Definitely. how crazy of an athlete he is and how durable he is, how much we needed him, that he could just jump back into playoff basketball and play great. So that's why I was thinking a plus. But no, I mean, I get, I get your point. It's like <laughs> missing more than half the season is ridiculous for yeah. a guy like him. Okay, cool. I will keep it moving. I know we want to get to a few. Um, yeah. Anthony Lamb. Oh, I'm giving him an A minus. Wow. Right on the nail. That's what Let's I gave go. him too. A minus. And I think, it, and I even wrote this in the article. I think most fans are. That might even be it. low. Yeah. I think <laughs> most people are going to view it as a hot take. But like I said in the beginning with the disclaimer, you have to view this from the salary as well as the position. This is a two-way contract and his production in relation to the two-way contract is probably one of the best we've ever seen in the NBA. Um, To be fair, he was converted to the, to a full contract at the end of the year. Yeah. But he played like eight games off that for the bulk of the season. He was a two-way. So, um, and it it also speaks to just how well he did because he earned the last roster spot, which had been left open all season and like earned a real NBA contract. Right. Yeah, and the reason it wasn't A-plus is just because he didn't touch the four in the playoffs. And yeah, and kind of going to my last point of the disclaimer is that, you know, he ate up a lot of minutes this year, and I don't really see him on that team next year. 
So in retrospect, I would have liked to see his minutes go to maybe Kaminga or Moody or someone who's going to be on the team next year. But yeah. obviously there was some political reasons as well for him playing. I think it was kind of like a F you from Kerr to the, to the front office. Like, you're going to give me all these young bums. I'm going to have 100%. to go with this guy because he does, you know, stuff that they can't. So good guess on that, A-. minus. We had that, the same thought process. Um, let me jump back to... Okay, right. I think this will be a little tricky one. Andre Iguodala. Oh. Oh, God. Okay. My guy. I love Andre Iguodala. I do, too. One of my favorites. One of my favorite warriors of all time. Um, okay. He's old as shit. Like, <laughs> I didn't expect him to do much this season. So expectations-wise, it's it's not that high. He played like eight games, which exactly is eight games. actually less than I wanted or expected him to play. So he kind of failed there. Um, a lot of his role was supposed to be creating or helping create a stable locker room. And as yeah. we know, the Warriors locker room wasn't that stable. So like really what the hell was he doing? Um, I mean, I guess, like, what would it be like if he wasn't actually there helping out Jordan Poole and <laughs> Kaminga and stuff? Like, my God. Um, wow, that's a tough one. I mean, it's got to be, like, C-minus, D-plus range, honestly. Yep, you got it right on the head. I gave him a C-minus as well. So you're basically yeah. two, two, two and a half for three. You've gotten most right. of them correct. Yeah, you, you kind of said everything that I said. Um, and it, what's tough, and I write it in the article that's coming out, is... We kind of needed him this year. We kind of needed a wing who could, you know, play smart and play some defense and move the ball. Um, and when he played, he was actually pretty good, which was surprising. Yeah, there but, were a couple games there where he actually contributed during the regular season, and it was like, oh, he he has stuff to offer still. What the hell? Yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Um, okay, I will give you one more. God, there's so I want to touch on all of them because I have some good takes, but. Um, Keep him in the chamber. Yeah, exactly. Tease him for the article. I'll Come on. Just, I'll, I'll give you one last one, and that's Jonathan right. Kaminga. I'm, I'm curious Ooh. what you thought his season would get rated. <sighs> okay, Kaminga. Pretty high expectations. He had a pretty solid rookie year. He is the number seven overall pick in the 2021, or actually no, the 22 draft. 2021. Yeah, 21 draft, my bad. So, <clears throat> pretty good rookie year. We ex- like clearly the front office expected him to take a leap because they didn't re-sign GP2 and they were essentially allocating him minutes in the rotation right off the bat. He started slowly. Kerr didn't play him that much. Um, hmm. He did end up kind of establishing a role for himself in the regular season and was getting like 20 minutes a game down the stretch and then Kirk ghosted him in the playoffs once gp2 was back and wiggins was was back from his leave and essentially fully ramped up kaminga was completely cut out of the rotation because as kerr said what he was good at which is point of attack defense was covered by those two guys that's a tough one i'm going b minus for kaminga Literally right on the head again. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> that Let's is, go. That's what I thought too. Let's I go. I mean, I think 
a lot of his negatives from the season aren't really to blame for him. I think that Steve Kerr, you know, while he could be correct for thinking this, just gave him such a tight leash. And I I don't think a lot of people have the answers to why. Especially we weren't, you know, the number one seed like running away with the season. I don't understand why um, he had such a tight leash. And when he played while Wiggins was out, he, he filled in great. He was playing amazing defense. Uh, his shot actually looked really good this year. He was putting rim pressure uh, on offense that no one else on the team does. So I thought he had a really good season. So, and I'm curious to see what happens uh, next year. But yeah, well, I think, you, hold on, a point you made is like we weren't the number one seed running away with it. Like I think if we were, he would have gotten more playing time. Because I we guess, had, yeah, that makes sense. Because we had more of a leash to like let him make mistakes and we can lose games based on like not getting good minutes from Kuminga and same with Moody. But then with our poor start and our horrible road record and all the turbulence experienced this year, we like that's why Kerr played Lamb so many minutes because he trusted him more to make the right pass and grab a rebound and play some defense without having those rookie-ish mistakes that Kuminga is he tends to make. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying that. In retrospect, now not playing Moody yeah, and Kaminga yeah. looks pretty bad, just because we, you know, kind of wasted a season of their development. Like we didn't go far in the playoffs, and we didn't develop, and that kind of everything seems to bring back to the problems of trying to have a two timeline team. It's obviously never worked in professional sports before for a reason. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, back. it kind of worked with. Like the Spurs have tried, have basically tried to do but this. With... Everyone thinks that, but that team was so filled with veterans. There was just one young guy that was Kawhi contributing, and that was Kawhi. Yeah, their but back I was end also of thinking bench was like yeah. all veterans. I was also I think it essentially worked twice for them because they drafted Tim Duncan. Yeah, and and they had David Robinson at the same time and won a championship with that group. But so that like it. It sounds good in theory when you draft guys like Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard, but the, that's pretty rare to hit. On Wiseman draft isn't picks. Wiseman yeah. isn't Tim Duncan. You know, hey, still give him <laughs> some time, bro. Still give him yeah. some time. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, there's just no shot. Yeah, Tim Duncan, generational player, one of the top ten players of all time. Um, yeah, it's just very rare. And the Warriors had the hubris trying to trying to pull it off. Well, I think. Obviously, the like Kaminga, Moody, Pool, Wiseman stuff doesn't really even piss me off that much, just because you know those are good prospects. The thing that pisses me off, and you kind of touch on it in the article, is the back end roster just being filled with projects, and and we'll get into that more in the summer and more with like our articles and stuff. But as you can see, when my grades come out, what I give to some of the back end projects on our roster, but that was just that's just horrible roster construction to. You know, yeah, there's absolutely no need, absolutely no need to keep Ryan Rollins or Patrick Baldwin Jr. on the roster. I mean, like I think Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to be a pretty good player, and to be determined with Ryan Rollins, but it doesn't look good so far. But what like, do you think? Regardless, what grade do you think I gave Ryan Rollins? Um, I'm not going to guess because I want to. I want to keep your article. <laughs> I want to. I, I have. I have an idea though. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
No, it's it's frustrating. And and like you said, you touch on that type of stuff in the yeah. article that you came out. We'll be we'll be discussing that this off season. But yeah, man, just uh, definitely some missed opportunities watching these playoffs. But excited to watch it as a as a neutral fan and see how the season goes. And then bam, it'll be the off season. The draft is less than a month away. Summer league's coming up, and then as soon as we'll know it, the season's kind of kicking back in again so you know anything else you want to you want to add before we get out of here i guess just kind of the last thing that's been circulating in the news warriors related is bob meyer's situation as the gm uh we can just touch on it quickly and kind of get some predictions and thoughts on the on what's going on but um essentially we're, we're hearing reports from shams charania of the athletic and Anthony Slater, who's obviously the beat reporter for the Warriors at the Athletic, and really tapped in to what's going on there, that that is indicating it's most likely the case that Bob Myers moves on from the organization. So, what do you think about those reports, and and the, is it a potential negotiation strategy to let that leak? It this has been floating over the Warriors all season, uh, but we're getting. We're getting close here to when he'll be done, which is, I think, the end of June. But he'll have to make a decision before the draft, right, which is the 22nd of June. So the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll hear about what's going on with Bob Myers. Yeah, I think we'll probably hear about it maybe even before the finals conclude. I think we'll hear about it maybe next week or the week after that. I have always thought that he was going to return just because of the relationship dynamic he has with the core, like Steph, Dre, and Clay, But... You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And all season, it seemed like him and Joe have not been on the same page with compensation as well as kind of the role that he wants. And basically, I feel like he's saying, Joe, are you going to let me do my job or are we going to keep letting you and your sons have these pet projects? My job is to win championships, not run a daycare. So... I think yeah, I, I guess be... it's it's important because it's really that's such a good point. I mean, it's like the past few years, essentially since Kevin Durant left, and even probably before that, it's it's clear that Joe Lacob and Kirk and Kent Lacob have had an outsized voice in the decision making uh, of the Warriors, and that's led to some mistakes that I don't think Steve Kerr or Bob Myers would have made. I mean, no. they they're good. They're good employees, uh, and we've heard from Kerr and Bob that they believe in James Wiseman, and they believe that actually we can win with young players on the roster because they're not going to outwardly say, ah, oh, you know what, this is actually just Joe Lacob's idea, and we're we're not really buying into it. But when you hear Joe Lacob talk so passionately about about it uh, and advocating for this strategy, it's obvious like where the idea has come from, and that that it's failed. So. Yeah, it's that's a really good point. It may be like a philosophical difference driving yeah, exactly. it because it, and I, it doesn't seem like it's fair. the money, right? No, I mean I've I've heard that they're offering him money that would make him the highest paid executive in the league. So I don't think it's money. I think it's, heard from sources. Yeah, Chris sources. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I think it's a fair question to ask. I mean, I I want to know that question too, and I'm sure Steph does too. Is like, okay, you know, I got at best three good years left are we gonna try to be the charlotte hornets still or are we gonna try to win another championship um 
So I get you don't think like a backcourt of you don't think a backcourt of like Steph and Ryan Rollins is gonna is gonna challenge for a title anytime soon? No. Yeah. Oh my god, I I can't get over that pick. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I'm 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 hoping that Bob is back because that means that you know we're still serious. So summer yeah. summer still decision serious. Of being... I feel like that's that's flown away. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I know. Big 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 choice from him. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, I'm going to save my takes for when we hear when we hear about what he's choosing to do. So sounds good. Well, uh, we're going to sign off here. Make sure to definitely check out those articles we have coming to the Substack. You can get to that at um, dubshub.substack.com, and then you know, stay locked into our Twitter page. We'll be, you know, putting some content out about the the playoffs and what we're thinking for the Warriors. And yeah, man, exciting times and exciting summer. So, uh, you know, let's get after it. Let's go. Talk to you in the next one.